morning to Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 to 24. If you don't have a Bible there, that's why we whack it up on the screen for you. Ever wondered about that? Why, why did, I've had people say you shouldn't put it on the screen because you're just encouraging people to be lazy and not bring their Bible to church. Well, if a guy that doesn't know the Lord walks in here, I'm going to make an assumption he probably won't have a Bible in his hands. So we whack it up there so he knows we're not, we're not telling furfies and lies, we're telling the truth. I had an exciting week this week. I am no longer a manager of Bottle Shop. Yeah, Exciting on one hand. I've, I've been through a real grieving process, though, to be honest with you, because I, I really love the people I work with. I've been in that store from the ground up. We were, I was there the day it was built. I put the first bottles on the shelf when we were first setting it up. Uh, I've got some great relationships with people there, not just the staff, but customers that come on in. Um, so it's been a real sort of a grieving week. Everything I've done this week, I, I opened up on Monday morning and he did all the beginning of the week paperwork and, and, and armor, go, all that. And everything I'm doing, I've got this little tear going, think it'll be the last time I'll do this. It'll be the last time we'll do this. And every time somebody would come on in that comes in once a week, a delivery guy or something, and I'd open the back dock and I'd, I won't do this for you again. It's been a really weird week. Um, plus, the other thing is I love the contact that it gives me with non-church people. Uh, I love that environment. I, I, I love the, the rawness, I guess, of people that... You know, sometimes when, 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 when unchurched people come into church, they kind of feel like there's this unspoken set of... There's a way that you should be, you know? If you come into church environment, you, there's a culture and, and you've got to act a, and be a certain way. And, and I see those same people, they might pop into church. And I've got a few people I've seen over the years that have popped into a church and I see them at church and, and I see them outside of church and I think, you just, I'd rather you were that person in church. That'd be great. Let's see the reactions and see how people respond to that. But um, So it's been a bit of a sad week. So it's exciting to finally be able to do one thing uh, and focus on one thing which will be, uh, uh, let's see what, what the Lord wants to do uh, through the life of Arise. Excited about that. Uh, but at the same time, a bit of sadness about uh, uh, only peddling one spirit to people now instead of two. So that's, uh, that's all good. There's a girl at work. And uh, I had a little, bit of a, <coughs> a little bit of a clash with a young lady at work uh, earlier this week. What happened was I'd, I'd do, part of my job there was to do all the staff training and uh, I had a training program which was training people in product knowledge and I put all the, all the team members through this training thing and as part of that training process I give them a small book, a little book and I put their name, I mean I do everything I can possibly do, I am working with adults not children and I put a big label across the front of the book with your name on it and I hand it to them and this is yours, your responsibility, look after it once a week when we sit down, you bring that book, we go through it, we, we, we do some projects together, so on and anyway she comes to me and she goes, Alan somebody has stole my book, just walked up to me, somebody stole my book and I said, well, hang on a second, what book are you talking about? He said, you know that book that you gave me because uh, I'm supposed to sit down with you today and we're supposed to do... And somebody stole my book. I said, okay, where was the book? She said, well, it was up the front in the register one in the drawer. I said, right, somebody made, maybe somebody didn't steal it because it is coming to the end of financial year and part of what a lot of businesses do is we clean out our drawers and we clean out our stuff and you know, we, we get everything ready for the start of the new financial year so we sort of hit the floor running. So, so maybe somebody's just gone through the drawer and taken out the book and all the other stuff that shouldn't be there in the first place, and maybe they've discarded it in preparation for that. And she sort of got a back up a little bit at me. I said, but it had my name on it. I said, yeah, it might have had your name on it. Yeah, that's true. But there's hundreds of things that people are leaving in there, old wrappers and you know, drink bottles. And, and so it's probably just been picked up. And, and, and well, 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 they shouldn't have done that. 
So look, I said, well, okay, let's go back one step. What was it doing in the public place? What was it doing in the drawer? Well, that's where I left it. I said, no, that's where you left it. It's obvious. But why didn't you leave it in your locker? I've given each staff member a locker, and I tell you, put your valuables in there, your wallets, your purses, your training, you put it all in there. Because if anything goes missing anywhere in the shop, I become a suspect as well, because I use the lunchroom and all this. So you put it in your locker. Why don't you put it in your locker? I don't have a locker. That was a lie. We found out later on it was a lie. She did have a locker, but she was just looking for a reason to refute what I was saying. So I said, Rightio, no worries. Okay, you haven't got a locker. Why didn't you just take it home? She said, well, it's hard for me to take it home. I can't take it home. I'm not allowed to have it there. Okay, fair enough. I can't argue with you. I don't know where you live. I can't go down this path. It's it's not going to work for me. So, Rightio, why didn't you put it in your car? Well, my car leaks, doesn't it? It leaks when it rains. It didn't take long for me to realise it really doesn't matter what I say to you. You are going to come back at me with an answer. You have determined in your mind that you are forever going to be the victim. You are forever going to be out of control uh, and have no control over your life and no control over your circumstances and situations. Anyone ever met people like that? They're, they're always the victim. They're, 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 nothing is ever their fault. I think we live in a society today where responsibility is really not a high priority anymore. As a matter of fact, the smarter you are is, is your ability to pass that responsibility on to somebody. If you can do that, you're really, really clever to the point now where we actually train lawyers up not to uphold the law anymore, but how to get around the finer points of the law and defend people that we know are guilty. What a, a twisted and a, and a weird society. But... Um, I know lots of people like that, and I've come across a lot of people like that in my day who, who, who will basically conclude to me that my life is totally out of my control. So whatever happens, you can't blame me because it's completely out of my control. I don't want to live my life like that. I don't want to live my life with that victim mentality. I don't want to live my life as if everything else around me is in control and I'm nothing but a slave to circumstance and a slave to situation. I want to read you something this morning that was literally written to people who actually did have the control of their lives taken away from them. And we're talking about literal slaves. Now, we don't live in a society today here in Australia where we have literal slaves and servants. That's sort of been been abolished. Uh, We probably still have servants. Some children call them mum. Things like that. But this was written to people whose lives were literally out of their control. Listen to what the writer Paul says. He says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time. Not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely, serve them sincerely, because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. It's interesting when you read uh, the writings of the New Testament when they confront this uh, issue of, of, of slavery. Uh, I've had people say that, that, that the biblical writers endorsed slavery. And nowhere in the Bible do they actually endorse slavery, but we've got to understand the cultural context. They were smart enough to know that this tiny sect religious group, this illegal sect called Christians, if one of them stood up and said abolish slavery, really wasn't going to make that much of a difference. So rather than try to change things on the outside, they did what they could and they talked to the people who were involved in the system. If you, you go on and you look at the New Testament, there's actually more admonition spoken to the slave themselves than there was the actual master being addressed. Most things written about slavery are written to the slave, not so much to the master. And I think there's a reason for that. 
How many of you know that, that slavery can be an internal thing, not just an external thing? Slavery begins in here before it ever begins out there. And this is what Paul's getting at. You know, when we think of slavery, we think straight away of trench diggers or we think of waiters or we think of those types of people. However, back in the day when this was written, half the people, up to half the people that were walking in the streets of Rome were slaves. Did you know that? Up to half the people walking around would have been involved in some form of slavery. And just to get the idea out of our head that they were all trench diggers and waiters, there were educated people, there were doctors, there were teachers, there were educated people who found themselves through situations and circumstances, not necessarily of their own, all of a sudden found themselves in a situation where they had become slaves. So the point here is that anybody, regardless of external situations or circumstances, the truth is that any one of us can become slaves. In 2016, you can become a slave. Not in the literal same sense as which these people were facing, but you can become a slave to the world around you, to situations, to circumstances. The definition of a slave in biblical times was this. Slaves were people with no rights. They were mere property existing for the comfort, convenience and pleasure of their owners. I'll say it again. Slaves were people with no rights. They were mere property existing for the comfort, convenience and pleasure of their owners. Question. Who feels like I just described your workplace? One person. (laughs) Another question. Who feels like I just described your marriage? Chuckle over there. Who feels like I just described your parenting? Who feels like I just described any other area of your world? So we may not be literal slaves in the sense of hands tied and feet shackled. And, but we can live with that same kind of mentality of being a slave. What Paul's doing here is not endorsing the end of slavery. He doesn't call straight away for a change of externals. But what he says to the slave is he says, you can change your internals. Change your perspective. Change your attitude to what you do. And you can walk out of slavery and you can become a servant by a change of attitude, by a change of internals, by a change of perspective. You can move from being a slave, even though the people he's writing to, you will still have a master and they'll still tell you what to do. You'll still be in that social structure, but you can stop being a slave and you can move into a place of becoming a servant by changing your perspective to that which you do. That's a challenge to each of us. If you answered yes or chuckled nervously, thinking that that description of a slave described any area of your world... You've got two choices. You can either live as a victim and say, well, that's just the way it is, or you can realise that you have the ability to change that without necessarily having to change the externals, but by changing the internal and the way you approach that part of your life, you can move from being a slave and become a servant. And that's what Paul's saying to these guys here. He's saying you can move from being a slave to becoming a servant by changing your approach, your perspective, and your attitude. Freedom begins with a change of attitude towards your externals, not necessarily a change of externals. You can change your externals but not change your internals and still be a slave. You know that? Oh, I hate this job. They treat me like this. I'll just change jobs and everything will be fine. You get into another job and you feel exactly the same way. Yeah, we do, um, me and Jackie do a lot of pre-marriage counselling with young couples. And one of the things that we stress to them is, is, is don't give in to the Hollywood image of marriage. You know, the, the, the woman sitting at home eating ice cream. 
depressed on the lounge. Why? Because she hasn't met Keanu Reeves yet or whoever, you know, Brad Pitt, whoever the latest guy is. And, and, she, and this is her life. And then all of a sudden the movie paints this picture where she meets this man. And all of a sudden when she meets this man, oh, she becomes a completely different person and life's grand and they go on forever and buy a house and two dogs and love each other. And, and you know, that's the image you get in the picture. The truth of the matter is if she's a lonely, depressed person eating ice cream before she got married... Not long down the track, she'll be the same lonely, depressed person eating ice cream, only she'll be married. You'll be the same person. Externals don't necessarily change who you are. We focus sometimes on trying to change our life by looking at all the... If only I had more of this. If only I could change jobs. If only I could get a different partner. If only I had different... I wish I had your kids, not my kids. You know? If only I could change all the externals, life would be different. But if you change all the externals but stay the same person on the inside, you'll end up in the exact same place. Now, the good news about that is while you have no control over a lot of those externals, you have all the control in the world over your own internals. You can change that. You can change the way you see things and you can change the way you approach things. Are you a slave or are you a servant? I was at work this week, uh, interestingly enough, and uh, a guy uh, came into the shop and we have this program called Click and Collect where you get online and you order stuff, push a button, you pay for it on your credit card, we get an email, we pack it, we put it in a cage at the front of the shop, all you've got to do is walk in, we give it to you, sign and go. So you have to walk around the shop looking. And a guy walked in after, uh, this week and he's walked in the front of the shop and I happened to be near the, the front there and this is what he did. He looked over at me and he went, I thought, of course, being the gracious man I am, I just, yes, sir, how can I help you? Inside, I'll tell you what, I wanted to kill him. <laughs> I wanted to pick up that bottle and, and, and do whatever it took. Um, but you know what it revealed? It revealed something inside of me, you know? To the external world, it looked like, oh, what a great uh, customer experience manager he's out there. But inside, I was boiling and bubbling, and I, and I realised in reflection that it was internal thing. You see, I felt like I was a slave. When I saw that man go like this, bang, all of a sudden in my head, I became his slave, and I resented that. I resented the fact that I have to do, because you, you don't treat me like that. I wanted to do a finger thing too, but I won't show you at church. I realised inside it was, it, was, it was me. There was something going on in my inside. My attitude towards that moment, my attitude towards that person was wrong. What he did is irrelevant. What he did was right, wrong, indifferent, doesn't really make a difference. But my attitude on the inside in that moment, I realised I, I, I've just become a slave. For a brief moment, I've become a slave to that man. And when I made the quick adjustment in my head and went, no, no, I want to serve this man, it changes everything. I went about, did my business, hey, have a good day, hope you, can I help you with anything else, you know? Went about, he had a good experience, I felt better about the whole thing. We went into uh, my auntie's work the other day, and uh, my auntie was helping us, our, our eldest boy's just been uh, given a, uh, a traineeship as an accountant here in, in Lismore. And uh, so we took him out and said, we want to buy your first couple of suits and deck you out and, you know, get you some nice clothes and stuff. And so we took him into this shop and my auntie happened to work there. And my auntie was wonderful. She came over and, and she's got a good attitude and she, you know, is working with us and helping us match colours and well, Jackie and her and I, I don't match colours. I'm not real good at that. But um, they're doing all the colour matching and, and all that stuff and I'm just, I'll just pay for it. Um, so they, all this stuff. And then in comes her area manager and he walked in and... Arnie turns around, she goes to him, oh, good morning, how are you? And he goes, what's that display doing over there? Straight away. 
We were so shocked. We said later on that if it wasn't my, if it wasn't my auntie's shop, we would have actually just put all that stuff on the counter and called him over and gone, oh, excuse me, sir, this is your company. How much is that worth? Well, that's how much of a sale you've just lost, mate, and walked out. But we didn't do that. But we wanted to do that. He was so rude. But you know what really impressed me? Her attitude. Her attitude straight away. It didn't phase her. She didn't get sidetracked. She didn't get grumpy. She didn't start stand her ground and stand her rights and fight for what was right. She straight away went straight into that, that servant mentality. Okay, yeah, I'll move that and I'll, do this and I'll do this and I'll do that. She's got a really, really good attitude. And I was thinking, mate, if my area manager did that to me, I don't know if I'd handle it that well. I probably wouldn't be so gracious. Why? Well, because certain things spark that slave mentality in me and I don't want to be a slave. I can't change my externals, but I can certainly change my internals. And that's what Paul's saying here to these slaves. I just want to share three really quick things that I get out of this passage that help me to make the necessary adjustments on the inside to move myself from being a slave to being a servant. The first one is accept the responsibilities that come with your roles. How many of you know that every responsibility you take on board in life has roles, has things that have to be done? If you want to be a manager at your workplace, there are certain expectations. And those expectations are neither right or wrong, they just are what they are. If you want to get a promotion, then with that promotion will come certain things that are expected of you. If you want to get married, if you want to become a husband or a wife, how many of you know with that role come certain responsibilities? There are certain things that you're committing to when you accept that role in life. How many people fight against that? We don't want to do it. We get uptight, we get angry, we get frustrated. Because all of a sudden I'm expected to... What do you mean lay down my my life for my wife? What are you talking about? What do you mean love her unconditionally? What are you talking about? You know? What do you mean submit to one another? What are you talking about? I don't submit to anybody. I'm my own man. She's her own woman. Anything we take on in life has certain responsibilities attached to it. If you have children... How many of you know you have, there are certain responsibilities that go with being a parent? You might not like them, but they're there. You might, it, it, things, sometimes things happen in life not the way we planned. But even if something happens not the way we plan it to happen, we still have a responsibility to accept that role and to do it to the best of our ability, especially as believers in Christ, I believe. We should be lifting that standard. We should be making those right choices. Um, Years ago, uh, uh, two AFL teams, and please, God forgive me for talking about AFL, um, the other sport, two teams merged back in 1996, uh, 1996 or 97. It was the Fitzroy uh, Lions and the Brisbane Bears AFL team. They were woeful sides. They weren't great. And so they decided to merge them and they brought them up to Brisbane. They've become what we know today as the Brisbane Lions. You know... They became, in a few short years, one of the most successful AFL teams in the history of AFL. Even to this day, they're still considered one of the best uh, AFL teams in the history of the sport. A few years back, I got a chance to go to a, like a sportsman's lunch, and there was a man there by the name of Sean Hart, who used to play for Brisbane. He's a believer. And he was at this Christian uh, lunching thing, and, and, and he took some questions, and somebody asked him this, this question. They said, how did Lee Matthews, who, who was the coach came on board coaching in 99, I think. How did Lee Matthews turn such a woeful, pathetic excuse for a sporting team into a powerhouse club that to this day is still considered one of the most successful joint ventures and most successful teams in the history of that sport? 
His answer was interesting. He said Lee had a really simple philosophy. Um, they, they went on, by the way, to make four consecutive grand finals, I think 2001, 2, 3, and 4. And they won it in 2001, 2, and 3. That's an amazing effort, you know? Amazing effort in today's sporting uh, culture and climate with salary caps and that they did it. But he asked him, how did he do it? He said he had a real simple philosophy. Everybody on the team had to just know three simple things. And this is what he said to him. He said, the first thing is you need to know your role. Second thing is you need to accept your role. And the third thing is you need to perform your role. On the basis of that simple philosophy, he built one of the most one of the greatest sporting teams in Australian sporting history. What did he mean by that? He explained it. He said, well, first of all, know what your role is. When you come into our side, you need to know what you are. Are you the person that starts from kickoff and plays right to the end? Are you the person that comes on 20 minutes in for a bit of impact and you only play 20 minutes a game and then you don't get back on? Are you the person who sits on the bench until the final 10 minutes and then you're told to go out there and roam wherever you want and just make something happen? Know exactly why you're in this team. Know what your role is in this particular squad. And the second thing is he said, you've got to accept it. There's no point me giving you a position on the team and saying that you're going to come on for 10 minutes and a burst of energy and life, roam around, make stuff happen. That's your role. If you're sitting there the whole time going, oh, I hate this. I just want to be starting. I wish I was a starter. And every week you're sitting on the bench whinging, complaining on the inside because you just want to be a starter and you're not happy to play that role in the team. Or it's no good being the impact player that comes on 20 minutes in. If you're saying, I just want to play the last 10 minutes and I just want the freedom to run around and be the man that makes it happen. He said they had to know what their role was, but he said you've got to accept that role as well. You've got to accept that role. I thought that's great advice for any of us in life. What is it that you do in life right now? You might know what you're meant to be doing. Have you accepted that? Have you accepted that I am a husband? So I have to accept the responsibilities that go with being a husband. Whether I like it or not is irrelevant. I've got the role. I need to accept those responsibilities. Otherwise, I should never have given my life to this lady. If I don't want to accept my responsibilities as a father, I should never have had children. And, and, and if I did have children, and even if maybe that wasn't the plan, it took me by surprise, now I'm in that role, I've got to accept the responsibilities. I've got to accept that that's what I've got to do. Until I come to that place, I'll always live with a bit of resentment. I'll always live with frustration. Until I come to that place of accepting it, I'll live like I'm a slave. And I'll eventually reflect that. And once they accepted their role, he said, then it becomes easy to do the third bit. You just go and do it. Once you know it and you accept it, it becomes easy to go and do it. Try and do something when you haven't accepted it. It's very hard. Try to go and perform a role when you're still internally angry about it, frustrated about it. It's very hard. It makes life very awkward and very messy. So he said, know your role, accept your role, perform your role. So thing number one, accept the responsibility that comes with your roles. Verse 22 there, Paul writes to them and he says, you slaves must obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Why? Well, because for whatever reason in this time and day, you are a slave and that's what a slave must do. You've got to accept it. Perform those roles. The second thing is focus on the well-being of other people, not just yourself. Focus on the well-being of others. It's an amazing switch in your mentality when I'm asked to do something and I do it with begrudgingness and I do it with frustration and I, I do it with a sad face and I do it kicking stones and angry. 
Or I can think about the benefit of what I'm doing to this other person, change my mentality and see it as servanthood. Again, it's a matter of perspective. I'll do what you tell me to and then I feel like a slave. Well, I could change that. I don't have to feel like a slave in this moment by doing what you tell me to. If I flip it around and start to focus on how does this benefit you, what's this? I'd love to do that. It's a joy to drive my children to sport. It's a joy to drop them at work and pick them up from work. It's a, you know, I'm speaking as a servant. <laughs> Not necessarily where I'm really at, but where I'm aiming to get at. It's a joy. Focus on other people, you know. I remember um, uh, years ago, one of the things that used to frustrate me when uh, the kids were younger and uh, I was working for another church as an associate pastor and the office was in the garage and I would sit down and I would start to, you know, get a message ready or something in the middle of the day and they were a lot younger back then so they would have to come to us to make lunch or something. And I'm, I'm, I'm like an old car, you know, it takes ages to get it going but once it's going and it starts getting momentum you don't stop it because if you do it's not going to go again and i'm kind of like that that's i I don't stop a lot for lunch and things like that because if i if i have to stop for something it's the enemy it's over you know i'll I'll kick start again in the morning see what we can do (laughs) so i just go as hard as i can all day until i get to that point where i can't and then sweet and so I remember the kids would come into me some days and they would come downstairs to the office and they would, would would disturb me distract me how dare they Dad, can you make us some lunch? And I'd go upstairs all frustrated, buttering their bread, going, gosh, can't you see I'm trying to put a message together on servanthood? <laughs> Get our eyes off ourselves and think about the well-being of other people for a change. Think about how what you're doing benefits somebody else. How is it benefiting your workplace? How is it benefiting your family? You know? Change your perspective a little bit. And the third thing is learn to acknowledge God in the midst of our serving. Let's learn to acknowledge God in the midst. In verse 24, he says, Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the master you are ultimately serving is who? It's Jesus. The master we're ultimately serving is God. In all that we do, we've got to acknowledge God in the midst of that. Whatever you do, do as unto the Lord, the Bible says. Whatever we do, do as unto the Lord. Yeah, when my, 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 my wife comes in and says, Alan, can you uh, vacuum the house? You know what I've got to try to do? Imagine Jesus just walked in and asked me to vacuum the house. What sort of attitude would I give him? She's not telling me to do anything immoral. She's not telling me to do anything against the law of God. She's asking me to serve. Now, if Jesus walked in and said to me, do the vacuuming, what would I say to him? My wife's next door, Jesus. <laughs> What's she doing? You always ask me. Ah, that's because you respond. Thank you, Jesus. All we do, do is under God. No matter how undignified a task may seem or how unimportant or frustrating, when we put God in the middle of that, it brings dignity to anything. It brings dignity to any task when we put God there. I came across this quote the other day and I want to read it out I can't remember who it was from I couldn't really find a name it was just random some would define a servant like this a servant is one who finds out what his master wants him to do and then does it the human concept of a servant is that a servant goes to the master and says master what do you want me to do the master tells him and the servant goes off by himself and does it 
That is not the biblical concept of a servant of God. Being a servant of God is different from being a servant of a human master. A servant of a human master works for his master. God, however, works through his servants. Isn't that great? God works through his servants. I don't believe God works through me when I have a slave mentality. But I believe when I flick that switch and I change my attitude, when I adjust my thinking and I put myself in that place of servanthood, I honestly believe it creates a conduit for the Spirit of God to move. And all of a sudden, it's not just me serving you, it's Christ serving you. It's Christ serving you. It's Christ serving you. I'm not a great servant myself because I'm selfish, self-centred, I'm easily irritated. I've got a whole bunch of human things that just aren't going for me. But when I flick that switch and I make the choice to accept this is what I need to do, when I make the choice to perform that which I know is right, when I make the choice to think about the benefit of what I'm doing for somebody else, and when I picture Jesus being a part of the whole process, I honestly believe that it's God that then begins by his spirit to move through me and to reach out and to touch and to change and to love and to give grace and to care and to serve. It's the spirit of God moving through me. I'll finish with this. John chapter 10, verse 18. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's Jesus. He says, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. You know, nobody can take your life from you, literally. Jesus is talking about his literal life here. He's talking about laying down his life for us, sacrificing himself, being the one that created the opportunity for us to come back into relationship with God through his sacrifice. But I want to say to you today, nobody can take your life from you. Nobody can. You've got choices. Jackie asked me to do something, I can say no can do that. Live with the consequences and deal with it. I can say yes, but then go about it as a slave. Begrudgingly, angrily, frustrated. I can say yes and approach it as a servant. Allow God to move through me. Allow God to use me. Allow God to bless me through the whole process. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also take it up again. You have the authority over your own self to begrudgingly go through life as a slave if you want to. You have the authority. You also have the authority to flick that switch, change that attitude and choose to go through life as a servant. Ultimately, it comes back to you. I know we would love hands laid on us and we would love God to just touch us. It's a funny thing about God, you know, I... I the more I get to know God, the more I realise I don't know him. Every time he answers one question, it opens up three questions that I have no answers for. Anyone else like that? Is it just me? You know? He's huge. He's, he's beyond human reasoning and understanding. That's why we approach God by faith. But we can make the choices in our life about how we want to approach it comes back to you. God won't zap you. There are some things in the Bible where the Bible says choose. 
Choose this. Choose that. Choose this. Oh, no, just pray for me. Make it all nice and easy for me. Touch me on the head and all of a sudden I'll just, I'll just serve my family. I'll serve my wife. I'll serve uh, you people here in the church. I'll serve my work. I'll just do it because I've had a zap from God. Everything's changed. Maybe I shook and rolled and fell, you know. And it, but you know what? God doesn't always work like that. I don't know why he does sometimes and sometimes he doesn't. I've seen him do it. I've seen people touched by God, get thrown backwards over chairs, be set free, be healed, all kinds of things. And then I've seen other people over here who just have to every day make the right choices. Every day, make the right choices. And eventually, you get to that place. If you just every day, make the right choice. Every time the opportunity comes up, make the right choice. Make the right choice. Make the right choice. Nobody can take your life from you. You sacrifice it voluntarily. You have authority to lay it down when you want and also to take it up again. For This is what the Father has commanded you. The difference between being a servant and a slave is not what they have to do, but it's how they approach what they have to do. It's their perspective and their attitude towards that which they have to do. You have two choices. You can allow others to take your life from you, or you can choose to lay it down in the service of others. At the end of the day, it's our choice. Amen? Father, I want to thank you, Lord, uh, for your word, God. I want to thank you, uh, Jesus, that you are, uh, Father, you're, you're wanting to build, uh, Lord, a strong church, God. And, and we don't just mean a rise here, God. We mean, God, in the world. You want a strong a group of people, Father. Lord, you want people whose faith is unwavering, God. You want people who can stand in the face of persecution and rejection. God, you want people who, who will sacrifice and will love you, God, even at great uh, personal hurt, Father, because we have our eyes fixed on something far greater than this world. Holy Spirit, I just pray you would just seal in our hearts what you have been speaking to us this morning, Lord. God, don't let the cares, worries of life take it away. Don't let us walk out of here, have lunch, and by this evening, move on with our day and forget anything that you may be wanting to say to us, anything you may be wanting to show us, God. Father, I pray, uh, Lord, as we go through the rest of this week, give us opportunities to share your love with people that don't yet know you. Give us opportunities to reflect you to the world around us, God. And Father, teach us what it means to be a servant, not just of you, but Father, to be a servant of our fellow men, a servant of our families, God, a servant in the workplace. And give us the strength and the ability to make those choices. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. God bless. Don't run.